0: Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed it. I heard a lot of these phrases as a kid, um, particularly because I needed to. I heard things like, You lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. Yes. Stupid is as stupid does. Now that wasn't original to my father. But a lot of these phrases mean kind of the same thing that we sometimes act foolish because those who are around us are acting foolish. Anybody ever done that? Okay, y'all are all a lie, because not a single hand went up. Every single one of us have found us in that situation where there are people doing foolish things around us, and we participate in in tomfoolery, or just flat-out foolishness. Today, we're going to look at a Scripture that deals with this idea of foolishness, although you would never know that that's what it says. We're going to look at, particularly, the next section of the Sermon on the Mount, and particularly uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, which is the salt and the light passage. And you're thinking to yourself, that says nothing about foolishness, ah, but it does. Now let me remind you that Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew this is His kind of uh, ultimate teaching for His disciples. But it is the foundational teaching for His disciples, so much so that throughout the church history when someone came to faith, they would spend sometimes months, sometimes a whole year in studying the Sermon on the Mount because it is so foundational to what it means to be a Christ follower. Last week we looked at the Beatitudes and how some of those Beatitudes are actually different than what we think they are and how it applies to our our lives and how we should live accordingly. Now he's going to transition into this idea of salt and light, having just said, rejoice when you are persecuted for my sake. When you're persecuted for living out the Beatitudes, be blessed. Then he turns around and shares this gem. It's one, it's a part of Scripture that you've probably heard before, it's one that's quoted all the time, but we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper today. Verse 13, Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So let's stop here and we're going to do a little deeper dive into verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. So, this verb, are, here, is a present uh, verb in the original language, which means it's an ongoing action. You are continuously the salt of the earth, right? But it also carries with it this idea of, um, of a command without being a command. So, you are... I'm commanding you to continually be the salt of the earth. But if salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, we want to stop here. We're going to look at what the metaphor of salt could mean, but but I want to stop here at this part because I think this is important. He's not talking about uh, chemistry here. He's not saying that salt can literally lose its saltiness, because if salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer salt, it's another compound, chemically speaking. That's not what He's saying here. Salt in Jesus' day was, was produced, does anybody know how or where? There's something real close, the Dead Sea. And what's in the Dead Sea? Salt, but not just salt, tons of minerals. So it is a mineral-rich water that they would, that would evaporate and it left crusty, salt-like substance that had not just salt, but also had minerals in it. They would take that and they would use it for the purpose of salt. That form of salt could actually lose some of its saltiness, particularly if it was kept in a place where it would get moist. And so, there is this idea that in our world, you can't not be salt if you're salt unless you change your chemical compound. In their world, this stuff that they called salt could actually lose some of its saltiness, and then it's just minerals, it's just crust, and nobody likes crust. Okay, some people like pizza crust, that's true. And some people like the end of the brownies. Okay, yeah, I'll retract that, never mind. Lots of people like the crust, but not this kind of crust. And so this crust that is no longer really salty could be thrown out on the street because it's good for nothing. All right? So understand that that's, that's what this parable is about. It's, a, it's about this compound that they use that is more than just salt. But what does it mean for something to be salt? Well, salt was generally used for two things in their culture, and they were preservative and flavoring, right? Those were the two main things that they were used for preservation and for flavor. And so, what Jesus is telling his disciples here is that you are called to make the world a better place. It's your job to bring saltiness to it, that taste. You are to enhance the flavor of life. You are called to bring beauty to the world. Now, it also connects with this idea of wisdom. You are called to spread wisdom in the world because wisdom in the biblical theme means beauty and goodness and the truth of God. All of those things are part of this idea of wisdom. And it's connected to this idea of, perser- uh, of, of uh, preservation, but also bringing beauty to the world. So when you read about something bringing beauty, there's connected with it this idea of God's wisdom involved in that. And so what he's saying here is, guys, if you're my disciples, you are continuously called to bring beauty and flavor to the world around you. You are supposed to bring wisdom, not your wisdom, not earthly wisdom, but wisdom, God's wisdom to the table. That's what you're called to do. The second part of that is to preserve. And if you think about it, this is kind of, I don't know, know—it's—it's it's, doesn't take very long to think about it to realize how true this is. If we, are, if we are living out the Beatitudes that we studied last week, we help prevent chaos in the world around us. If we live out love and forgiveness, we help prevent chaos around us. We preserve some of the goodness. Now, if you believe in, and we as Christians believe in the Omega Dei, the image of God that is knitted into our very being, then the image of God that is in you is part of this persevering of the world. It, it helps preserve, um, I'm sorry, preservation of the world. It helps preserve the world, the image of God. You have the ability to carry some of God's traits, and that is being sought. When you bring beauty and wisdom to the world, then you also help not just give it beauty and flavor and taste, you also prevent chaos and uncontrolled sin. And we see this on the micro level in our own lives, don't we? When we allow Christ control then he prevents the sin and the temptation or from us falling into the temptation in our lives so you and me the disciples who he were talking who he was talking to we're all called to be someone or people who bring beauty who brings wisdom who brings love who brings the reign of God, the power of God, the whatever you want to use there, into this world and, and helps prevent the world from being completely lost. But this word for losing taste doesn't mean losing taste necessarily. It's the Greek word that we get the word moron from. Are you a moron? If you lose your saltiness, you're a moron. You're a fool. The word actually means foolish. Now, I think that the reason why he chooses this word is because in the Hebrew and in the Aramaic, the two Old Testament languages, the word for taste and fool are the same. So tasteless and foolish are literally the same word. And so there's a double entendre here. There's two meanings going on here. So it's saltiness and taste, and it means foolishness. So what he's saying here is, you are the salt of the earth, but if you lose this idea of being salt, then you're a fool, and what you've done is you've allowed the foolishness of the world. To overcome your saltiness. You've allowed the foolishness of the world and what it has to offer to overcome the saltiness that you are called to be. And if you lose your saltiness and you become a fool, then you should just be scattered out in the street. You should be exposed as useless and worthless. Now these are harsh words. Remember who's saying this? Who's saying this? Jesus. Jesus is calling people fools. This is one of those things where I think he's telling the truth in love. He's telling the truth, and it's hard truth, but he's doing it in such a way that, it's, that he's trying to show that there's love behind this. Look, guys, there is beauty in what God has put in you. There is beauty in following him. There is beauty in allowing him to, to transform your life. There is wisdom that he wants to pour into you. There's this thing called the Holy Spirit that he wants to live in and through you. All of those things... When we abide, abide by them and when we, when we submit ourselves to them, then, then we aren't losing our saltiness. In fact, we are salty. We bring taste and beauty and life to the world around us. We preserve it from being chaotic. When we're not that, then we become fools just like everybody else. If you lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. I think it's a pretty powerful image, and I think it's a beautiful turn on words that Jesus, is, that Jesus is using here. He's warning us not to lose sight of what we were created to be. We were created to be His beauty, His life, His love, His example, His power in the world. Think about that. That's what we were created to be, and when we're not that, we become foolish and we chase foolish things. And our foolishness doesn't do anything to preserve and bring beauty. In fact, it does just the opposite. It just sows more chaos. He doesn't just stay there, he moves on to the next metaphor. You are the light of the world. Same word here, you are This ongoing action that carries with it this idea of it being an imperative. You must do this. This is what you're called to do. You are the light of the world. And then he changes the metaphor. And he says, a city on the hill cannot be hidden. What does light and city on a hill have in common? I mean, why why does he connect these two? Not rhetorical. All right, you can see him from far away. So a city on a hill particularly a city like Jerusalem, you can see from a long way away. Now, also understand that in their culture, what did they build their cities with? Local white stone. And that local white stone, when the sun hits it, glows. It's bright. You can't miss it. City on a hill. What happens at night with a city on a hill? Everybody lights candles. There's torches in the wall. And so even though the sun isn't shining and giving off light from the city on a hill, a city on the hill is sparkling with all the little flames that are going on in that city. And all of those collective flames together become a torch for others to see from far off. What Jesus is saying is that we are the light of the world and that like light in uh, a city, or like a city on a hill, we are called to be visible for the world to see. Then he goes on and he explains a little bit further, verse 19, nor do, people, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. Jesus is saying it's foolishness if as light, you light your candle and then or your flame, and then you cover it with a basket. Because two things happen when that happens. What happens when you cover a flame with a pot? I heard... It extinguishes because there's no oxygen. But not only does it extinguish that light, that light, even while it's burning, is no good because it can't be seen. And so, Jesus is saying, look, guys, you are called to be light in the world. And just like Salt preserves and brings beauty and taste just like it brings love and life. Light brings newness. It brings direction. People can see it and follow it. It lights up a room. Now, Jesus, I think, uses this here knowing knowing that light is a... Is a metaphor used all throughout Scripture, and it's always pointing towards the glory of God. You are a reflection of the glory of God in this world. You are the light that's shining. You don't create the light, you reflect it. You aren't the light itself, I mean, the source of the light. You are part of the source of the light that is Christ living in and through you, or in this case, God living in and through you. So Jesus is saying, look, guys, I've created you to be salt, and I've created you to be light. I've created you to impact the world, and I've created you to be a beacon for others. I've created you to bring, to bring beauty and love and life, and I've created you to reflect that to all around you so that they can see you. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they can see your righteousness. righteous. Nope, that's not what it says. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The purpose for shining our light isn't for self-righteousness. It's not to say, look at me. It's not to be better than someone else. When we shine our light, when we live our life for Christ, and we become that light, it points back to the source, the ultimate source of light. So when people look at our life, if we're living a salty, light-filled life, they see Jesus. They don't see us. They see the glory of God and what He can do with people like you and me. They don't see us. They look at us and go, oh my gosh, if God can do it to that guy? And so this coming right off the hills of the beatitude, what Jesus is saying ultimately to his disciples is, look, I'm calling you to a way of life that's different than the world. What the world has is foolishness. But what I have for you is beautiful and love and light. It preserves and it makes things better. And wherever you go, whatever room you step into... Your attitude ought to be, I'm stepping into this room to bring love and to reflect the light of Christ to those around me. I'm bringing beauty and I'm bringing life into anywhere I go. So whether it's stepping into a classroom, or whether it's working with customers and insurance, Whether it's whatever, engineering, being a pharmacist, owning and running coffee shops, being a doctor, whatever it is, we are called to be salt and light. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.